Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm your host, Callan Elslager, joined as always by my friends Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. You guys, the trade seasons, it started swirling. We got the first big move that partially affects us, but the first real big move to the deadline. Although Shohei Otani will ultimately be staying in that, uh, you know, not as exciting for baseball, but we'll see if any impacts goes. But how's uh, your trade deadline week been going? Uh, it's been going well, and I, you know, I, I will argue that Shohei Otani staying with the LA is kind of exciting. That team could be could be a little bit of a fun sleeper spoiler down the stretch if they can knock off my Red Sox and your Yankees. I mean, it hurts both of us, but hey, it's 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 still good for baseball to see Otani and also Mike Trout, you know, making a playoff push. Didn't didn't we talk about the show they trade last week? We did. We weren't going to. Yeah. Hey, I think I, I think we had say, different takes. Yeah, I said that he wasn't going to get traded. So, ha. Huh? Well, I said I said that he that they should yeah. because he's he's about to be a free agent. This is like could make or break the next five years for the team because I don't think there's really any chance that he resigns and missing out on the opportunity to trade the best player of all time, in my opinion, even if it's just two months, could net a massive return and that could really be a huge boon for the angels major league team and and their farm system as well but yeah i I think it's sort of unfortunate i know angels fans are probably happy but he's he's going to be there for two months you've already had him for five and a half years i don't think that's going to make a lot of difference in your happiness when your team is awful next year when he's not there anymore but i mean that's beside the point at least uh trade season's ramping up and it's it's starting to get exciting it's nice to see that they made the first big splash. They decided, you know, we're going to keep Otani, and we're also going to add. We're not just going to keep Otani and just go for a run. They added Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, which we'll if, we'll get to at least the Ronaldo Lopez part of it. But on this episode, we will get through. There's actually a fair amount of trades reliever wise. None of them are a big impact move we're waiting on, but it's still it's still enough names we want to mention and see what fantasy impact can come in it. And then we will talk a little bit more about the deadline. The deadline is coming up, as we know, on this coming Tuesday. This is our last episode beforehand. So we have 10 big questions we've wrapped up to summarize a bit of what we talked about and go a little bit more into what we talked about last week. Guys, we expect to be on the moves, mover shakers, all of that, and do another little preview of what to expect come Tuesday. But we'll start with the news, and we alluded to the beginning. The Angels did acquire Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito in exchange for some prospects. I believe it's Kyle Bush and uh, catching prospects who I, I should know is the number two prospect for the Angels. The name is escaping me at the thank you. The name was escaping me at the moment, but obviously for this show, the one that matters most to us is Ronaldo Lopez. He was a big sleeper for us. We loved to mention his name back in March and April. Now he enters a crowded Angels bullpen. Is this the end of the fantasy viability for Ronaldo Lopez? Uh, I mean, he probably as far as holds go, I didn't I don't think this changes much. I think he's going into 
it's about the same. You know, we talk about crowded bullpens. That White Sox bullpen was a little bit crowded too, even though there isn't a clear cut closer. It's, it's very similar in, in, with the Angels. With, you know, Carlos Estevez is the closer, but he's also, um, you know, definitely not one of the, 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 the top closers in the game. So there's a little, there, there's a chance he could lose the role. And then, you know, maybe Lopez could work his way into that if he has a good, you know, first couple weeks with them. And, gains the trust of uh phil nevin but um yeah i i think for for holds leagues he's still kind of like a round the top 50 options and like he's not exactly a must roster in any league right now didn't you have carlos estevez as the guy that might lose his job in the second half I did. <laughs> yeah. So that means Reynaldo's got a pretty good shot at taking over a closer role and fulfilling my, my <laughs> I was going to say deepest and darkest desires, but I don't know why that would be uh, any <laughs> ill intent there. All of my good desires. Mm, much better. Much better. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Lopez could play into this. We know that uh, the Angels have had some injuries with Davinsky and some of their pen. So maybe mm. Lopez does compete, but Seves doesn't exactly pitch poorly to lose a job at this point. But uh, we'll see what goes on there. Next trade was one that had all three of us kind of scratching our heads in a full-on salary. Just swap Jorge Lopez and Dylan Floro. Have been traded for each other. Jorge Lopez to the Miami Marlins. Dylan Floro to the Minnesota Twins. Both have had some closing experience at times where they were almost the next men up for their respective closers. Now they swap teams. Do we see either of them playing a role for their new teams moving forward? Yeah, not probably as, as in a closer role, but they're, you know, this is clearly one of those trades where, you know, two guys struggling. They just kind of both teams are hoping a change of scenery could help them out. And uh, if I were to be interested in anyone I, I think it would probably lean towards Jorge Lopez and the Marlins just desperately need a right-handed reliever that they can rely on late in games um, so I'm sure they're going to make another move but for now Lopez might be a guy they quickly turn to for for some high leverage uh, holds opportunities yeah Lopez seems like the guy that's got the higher ceiling in my opinion but Looking at the underlying metrics, it's not too pretty for him. He's got a 5.09 ERA so far this year, and that comes with a 4.84 xFIP. So even if he does regress, it's not going to be to a level that's uh, any good. But uh, I'm sure the Marlins can make some changes with him that can get him back to where he was when he was at the, the Orioles in the first half of last year. But Dylan Floro, if you look at his underlying metrics, he actually has got a lot of room to grow. He's got a 4.54 ERA this year, and that comes with a 3.07 xFIP. So I don't think he needs to change much as he's going to Minnesota to have better luck in the second half. And I don't really think they need him too much there, but the Marlins, on the other hand, don't really have a lot of righties that they can trust. They've got JT Chargois and Huascar Brazabon, but that's about it. Um, I think Lopez got a higher ceiling, but Floro's got a, a higher floor, especially in terms of his underlying metrics, suggesting that he's going to be a lot better in the second half. If the struggles of AJ Puck of late, we'll get to him in a little bit as well. I wonder if Lopez, I know the a lot of the excitement has been about potentially Tanner Scott being the next guy up in Miami. 
But I wonder if Jorge Lopez can play into it a little bit. I'm not going to say he's going to get to be a favorite, but he has the closer experience. He was an all-star closer just a year ago with the Baltimore Orioles. He might be our new Joe Mantiply, where we have to mention he's an all-star every time we talk about him. But <laughs> I, I wonder if he can steal a few saves here and there if Puck doesn't turn things around. If Scott, you know, he's been great so far, but, you know, it's Tanner Scott. Is this something that's sustainable for the rest of the season? It's still the. This question still remains, so I think Lopez can have some viability. I would I would definitely be more interested in him than Floro. The Braves didn't sit quietly either. They acquired two relievers. They acquired Pierce Johnson from the Colorado Rockies as well as Taylor Hearn from the Texas Rangers. Both just seemed like depth moves trying to shore up the front of the end of the bullpen. Do either of them going to be people we met that we are too concerned about? I know Taylor Hearn unlikely, but Pierce Johnson has had some fantasy viability early on do we have any intrigue with him in atlanta uh like from a holds leaks uh deeper holds league perspective per- potentially pierce johnson um you know coors did not do good things to him uh that was that was not a great stint and it's it's still surprising the the return that the rockies got they did pretty good there um what getting what they did for pierce johnson having nearly a six year a um, but there's you know he's a his curveball is really good. There's there's something there with that. I'm sure the Braves would be able to get more out of him than the Rockies did. So you know, and they're they're hurting right now with Minter still on the IL and you know Nick Anderson out for the foreseeable future. So I, there's there's definitely a chance he could work his way into a setup role, but I don't think it's going to happen you know overnight. Yeah, these are definitely more depth pieces. I've always been somewhat interested in Taylor Hearn because he's a hard-throwing lefty and maybe going to Atlanta will give him that change of scenery that he needs to become a better pitcher, but that's far from guaranteed. And Pierce Johnson, I, I think we all know sort of what kind of pitcher he is. He doesn't throw a lot of strikes. He throws a lot of pitches out of the zone, but that gets him a lot of strikes, strikeouts, but also gets him a lot of walks. And pitching in core sort of made him struggle a lot this year i mean even the the past two years he's had an era over five but that comes with xfips that are far lower than those rates so i have faith that he can be more of like a low fours era at, at the very worst uh which is very solid for a team that doesn't really need somebody to come in and be that bullpen ace so this is very good depth for a team that hopefully gets Minter back and and a couple other guys back I, they've got a ton of guys on the 60 day il right now so They'll definitely be hoping that by the time the playoffs come, Pierce Johnson is like the last guy that they're turning to out of the bullpen rather than the uh, guy that they want in high leverage situations. And the last three trades, just real quick, I'll see, let you know if anything matters. Trent Thornton traded to the Seattle Mariners from the Toronto Blue Jays. Genesis Cabrera to the Toronto Blue Jays. And Mauricio Lavera to the Boston Red Sox. Jake, Rick, do any of these? Do you have any interest in any of these guys? Not really at the moment. Um, no. <laughs> Easy enough. Yeah, not not really in terms of fantasy. No, I mean Genesis Cabrera throws really hard, uh, but he cannot throw strikes. So if he can maybe figure that out, that would be cool. There was a moment. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a moment like the first month of the season where he went for like four weeks or something without walking a batter and he was sort yeah. of doing the old mm-hmm. jose alvarado transformation and <laughs> i don't know what happened but then he just 
reverted right back to what he was doing before and was walking as many guys as he was striking out. So he he's a flamethrower, but he has no control. Maybe he can find that in Toronto, but that's uh, far from guaranteed as well. On to the other transactions, just some little injury activations. We'll see if that's uh, fully matter. Ryan Helsley transferred to 60 day IL with forearm strain. A lot of rumors are being floated around that he may be one of the more likely Cardinals to be moved in the past week, so monitor that very closely. Sir Anthony Dominguez was activated from the 15-day IL after a strained left oblique. Do we see him playing into this Kimbrel Alvarado mix, or is he more on the outside looking at it at this point? Uh, he'll, I don't think he's going to play into any sort of save situations, especially early, early on, you know, returning from the IL, but they're going to have to lean on him and Gregory Soto and the, and the setup role behind Kimbrell. And, you know, hopefully they can get Alvarado back sometime in August. And, you know, I, I'm sure they'll still, you know, every playoff team usually tends and tries to find a reliever to add to their bullpen. I'm sure they'll add somebody, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a big name where, you know, Sir Anthony or Gregory Soto get removed from setup roles. Yeah, Dominguez is definitely going to be a big holds option for people in holds league. So good to have him back in that regard, but definitely don't see him playing too much of a factor into the ninth inning. Joe Kelly is going to try and rebuild and add to his trade value. He's gotten a lot of intrigue. He was back in 15 day IL after right elbow inflammation. We expect him to be gone within the next week. Uh, John Schreibler activated from the 60 day IL for Boston. Luke Jackson activated from the 15 day IL. Any of those guys, someone you're keeping on a watch list, have some intrigue in going forward? Yeah, I mean, Kelly, I'm definitely interested in seeing. I mean, for all these guys from Holt's perspectives, obviously, I don't think there's going to be a situation where any of them close. But Kelly, definitely interested to see where he ends up uh, next week. He, you know, for this, I think the second year in a row, he's had his underlying metrics have been a lot better than what his ERA shows. And I think you know get, getting in the right situation could really could really help. Um, and then Schreiber, I know you know the Red Sox were talking about adding a seventh inning right-handed reliever, and I, I wonder if they meant like just activating John Schreiber because that's kind of what he was last year. That's what he could be or should be for this team moving forward. So I think you know he 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 he's a nice bridges the gap to Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen. Yeah, I think the Red Sox definitely got to be happy that Schreiber's back because they had a lot of people that I had not heard their names before this year. So they were definitely needing some uh, familiarity there. And Schreiber's been solid uh, last year and has been solid this year. So I I think they got to be happy that he's back. And I think Joe Kelly, while he definitely moves up in the holds rankings for the White Sox with Reynaldo Lopez out, I think he's one of the guys who almost guaranteed to be traded. And that's basically the, the big thing about him returning from the IL is that, you know, now he's back on the trade block because I don't think anybody's going to be trading for a guy that they think might be injured for the rest of the year. So now that we know he's good, he's good to pitch that he'll be on the move pretty soon. And I think Luke Jackson being like the number two right-handed option behind Camilo Duvall could play into some holds, but he still has zero holds this year in 10 innings, but he does have a 1.74 ERA and a 33% strikeout rate. So that's a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on. Gotta like that. And the final few things, Nate Pearson, option to the minors. I had mentioned that he may be one of the next uh, up and coming closers or, you know, guys you want to monitor in one of our uh, earlier episodes this month. I don't know if I'm kicking myself on that yet, but, you know, 
Stinks see him go down for Yannis Cabrera and Ben Joyce and Jesse Chavez, one of Jake's favorite players, have both been transferred to the 60-day IL. So um, hopefully we see them at some point this season, but you know, getting them transferred over, we may not see them for a little while. All right, let's go over to our risers and fallers from the past week. As always, with all these trades, there's a lot of guys we want to monitor, and the trade deadline may have a huge impact on that coming moving forward. But as we sit today, Rick, who rose the most over the past week, or one of the guys? So. Yeah, so, um, you know, not a lot to really look at, uh, you know, rising this week, but uh, I'll, I'll bring up Kevin Ginkle's name because it looks like he's taken over as the Diamondbacks closer for at least the time, the time being here. Um, you know, he hasn't done anything spectacular. He's not, you know, top five in K rate or swing strike or XFIP or any of that stuff, but he he's just been very solid this year and the command's been a lot better than it had been, you know, the past two seasons where, he was, you know, up and down between AAA and the major league level. So he, he's figured it out. He's been, you know, since the start of June, he's only allowed two earned runs, I believe, at this point. I think he allowed an earned run the other day. So two earned runs, you know, strikeout to walk rates in the 20% range. It's, it's again, not an elite reliever, but he's getting saves now for a pretty good team, even though it's the team that's really been struggling lately. Uh, so I, I think Ginkle's probably worth adding in most 12 team save only leagues at this point. And I, I think you can drop the rest of that relief relief. I mean, uh, between Scott McGuff and Andrew Schaaf, and I don't think you need to roster those two anymore. Yeah, it was a very disappointing part of my week in my home league. Yeah, I uh, was dropping Scott McGuff this week, but that whole bullpen has been falling apart in the past couple of weeks. McGuff, Castro, and Chafin have all been struggling. They've all got ERAs over four now after they were like a very solid trio of uh-huh. guys to have at the back end of the bullpen. And now it really looks like they're going to need to make an addition at the deadline. I've been feeling the Jordan Hicks vibes for a while, but I know the Cardinals are kicking around the idea of extending him. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. I wonder if Ginkle is only temporarily the closer. It does seem like he's the guy who's having the most success this year. I, that's that's pretty clear by the numbers. But I don't think it takes a, that big of a name to come in to kick him out of that role. Like I know I feel like Hicks would easily take over that role over Ginkle. But I wonder like what caliber of player needs to come in. Like what's the lowest caliber to kick yeah. Ginkle out of the role? Because... Mm-hmm. While I do want to go out and get him this week, Fab runs on like the 30th. I think that that's the day. Sunday and the trade deadline's Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're going to spend money on Ginkle. You're going to spend Fab on Ginkle. He's going to get on your team. And then the possibility that within the next two days, he's out of that closer role is very high. So that's something I would be wary on when you're going to put in your Fab bids. But as of now, Ginkle is definitely the top option there. Yeah. So if you're in daily leagues go get them now take advantage of it over the weekend try and get some saves but like jake said remember that there's gonna be a move the dimebacks are add somebody and maybe it's not gonna be a jordan hicks or one of the big name guys that immediately take the job but if it's someone of their similar caliber if ginkle shows any sort of signs of struggling i don't think toy level is gonna hesitate to make another switch he's gone through two three four different closes already this season why not make it five so at it, take advantage of it. He's pitched great, but 
let's not I don't want to put all the eggs in the Kevin Ginkle basket because it's very likely they make a move, whether it's a big immediate move or come August 15th, he struggles and they have to make another switch. So, but Jake, since you mentioned Ginkle, who is another riser from the past week? I'm going with Adbert Alzale. He's been great recently even since rick put out his article he's gotten two more saves since then he's got four saves in the past week it's been uh pretty clear that he's been the closer for quite a while and we thought maybe there would be a little bit of inconsistency with him because he is a younger arm he's not as used to the high leverage situations as many of the other closers in baseball but he's been great all year long and while he has had some bumps in the road he's looked really great the past week plus and that gives me and I think it gives Rick also a lot of confidence that he's going to hold on to this role throughout the rest of the year and should be one of the better options one of the top options in terms of fantasy yeah that's the biggest thing I think for me with him it's it's that he's not I don't think at least I don't think he's going anywhere so he he you know a lot of the the closers kind of in that bottom 15 I guess we'll say the bottom half of the list it's you know, a lot of those guys could be dealt at the deadline, but I feel like he's pretty safe as far as, you know, sticking not only in a closer role, but this Cubs team is playing really good right now. They're, you know, we're going to talk about, I, they're only four games out of a playoff spot and there's, you know, teams in the AL are, you know, talking about going all in when they're only four games out of a playoff spot. So it's not, you know, the, this Cubs team, depending on what they do, I'm sure they're still looking to move Bellinger and, um, Strowman, but they could be, uh, they could give, you know, Alzale a lot of um, value over the second half. Yeah, he, he's been awesome. And I think if it's been locked in that he'll be the guy for this season, he's established it as I don't even think they need to worry about going to get a big na- a close or anything this offseason. He's locked himself in mm-hmm. to probably be the closer in 2024. And I'm sure we'll be talking about him in similar veins to we did with, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, or dare I say, Pete Fairbanks is one of our favorite relievers going to 2024. I could easily see him filling that void and uh, being the official closer in the pen going into uh, 2024. But for me, I will put my Homer hat on for a little bit while I can because the Yankees had a, a good week. They went four and one on a homestand, and Clay Holmes during that stretch had three saves since we last spoke since late May when. Uh, he has a since late May over his last 17 two third innings. He has a 1.02 ERA with a 2.45 xFIP, 0.85 WHIP, 33.3 percent K rate, and has eight saves during that stretch. The only other Yankee to have more than one save at that point is Michael King, and well, he's been used in multiple innings, and also he's been pitching, he's been struggling a little bit late. So I think Clay Holmes has continued to take that job for the Yankees and run with it. I don't know where the Yankees are going to be in a week. I don't know who we're going to add, who we're going to get rid of, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be even a bullpen. If it is the bullpen, I don't think he's going to be anyone who's going to take the job away from Clay Holmes. So he's got this job. He's running with it. I know Rick moved him up to about 18 in the ranks. It wouldn't shock me if he's back in the top half by next week. He's been that good lately, and the Yankees are starting to play better baseball, I say, as I cross my fingers and hold my breath that that becomes true, and they're getting Aaron Judge back. So that means potentially more wins for them. And Clay Holmes could be, I don't want to say a full league winner, but he's getting to the point where you're glad where you drafted where you drafted him as your second reliever. And he's been that dominant in the clear closer for the Yankees, which always has fancy viability. So I'm going to give some props to, to Clay Holmes while I can. Yeah, he's been absolutely awesome since about the end of May. Um, clearly their best, their most trusted best reliever 
And the Yankees are the one team where I, I really don't have, I don't, I can't get like any sort of read on what they're going to do at the deadline because part of me feels like they're going to, you know, make some smaller moves, but then it's the Yankees. So you never know. Like they wouldn't surprise anyone, I think, if they made some sort of splash. So I think all that being said, I, I think Clay Holmes is still the closer after the deadline, no matter what they do. Um, outside of like doing something where they end up with David Bednar, but I, I I think Holmes ends up is pretty safe there, and he's getting the bulk of the saves now. And you know, Michael King is the only one to have one save over the past or more than one save since the end of May. So I, I think Holmes is back to taking over that role, and yeah, I, I would expect him to keep rising as as long as he keeps pitching well. Yeah, and you, you mentioned since the end of May, if you go back even a little sooner to May 6th, he has been absolutely lights out since then. He's tossed 30 and two-thirds innings since then. How many runs do you think he, he's given up? Three. That is correct. Yeah, he's, given, <laughs> he's got a 0.88 ERA, and he's striking out 30 Two percent of batters comes with a 0.95 whip as well. Oh. That's pretty dang good. <laughs> 0.88 is pretty fire. And uh, now that the saves are finally coming through as well, he's he's definitely in the top half of, of closers in baseball. And I think he's nearing that top 10 for sure. Saves and strikeouts, too. That's the strikeouts have come back. That was always yes. that since, you know, second half of last year, he stopped striking guys out. And now that's that K rates back up. So, yeah, good. Good to see. And that. the the ground ball rate is coming up, too. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I wrote about that in my uh, reliever ranks last week. His his ground ball rate was actually like way lower than what it was last year in the first half. And then since that May 6th date, it's at like 66%, which is mm. just about where it was when he was at his peak, when it was closer to 70%, but still 66% ground ball rate. That's one of the best rates in baseball. So he's back to getting ground balls. He's back to striking guys out and he's back to being the clear cut closer there. And I think mm. that's a pretty enticing option there. Please stay, please stay good. Clay, we're going to need you down the stretch as a, uh, as a, I speak for a lot of Yankee fans, but we'll take a quick break and get back. We'll go to the opposite side. We'll talk about those guys who value have uh, dropped a little bit over the past weeks, but we'll do that. Some more trade on talk and more on in the pen. This podcast is sponsored by underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games and you have to try underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports in underdogs. Pick them game. You just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PitcherList and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. All right, on to the followers over the past week, and we've had quite a few guys, including some players we had mentioned as possible trade candidates from the past week. So let's get back over to you, Rick. Who's your one of your biggest followers over the past week? Um, I will do, I'll take this one. I'll, I'll go with AJ Puck. He's been on the list. I don't know, three weeks in a row now. 
uh, because his July has been terrible. He's got a 9.82 ERA, 1.77 whip in July. Probably, you know, I, I, Tanner Scott's been just lights out. It, I understand why they're going to probably make that change or add someone at the deadline. And either way, Puck probably doesn't hold his job through the next week, but it's a little bit, or it's definitely like reminiscent of Josh Hader in the past. Hader's had trouble in July and in August throughout his whole career. And it's kind of, you know, like Puck's underlying numbers are still not bad. 28.6% K to walk rate, 2.95 XFIP, 2.55 Sierra. Uh, in the month of July, that's, you know, with this 9.82 ERA. So, you know, he's got a 400 BABIP, uh, 54% left on base rate, and a four- a forty-four point four percent home run to fly ball rate. So pretty much any home run is just going is just leaving the yard. It's fifty-fifty chance on any fly ball. So, I mean, I, he's been unlucky, and I'm sure the team's aware of that. But you know, it's still it's at some point you you know you you still have to kind of make a change just for the the, the you know the sake of shaking things up. And it's not like he's been their closer for you know five years now. It's uh, so yeah, I think with how well Scott's pitching, he's going to probably be the favorite coming out of the this weekend but um still still a situation that it's just i I think you want to keep both rostered until we get a clear you know clear answer yeah i I definitely think a shakeup is is needed and even if that just is a temporary one where they put puck back in the role once he like gets his confidence back because as you mentioned those underlying metrics suggest he's been super unlucky and i think even if puck isn't the same pitcher that scott is if he's a step below him i think having him as the closer is still something that they may prefer so that they can use scott as the high leverage guy Mm -hmm. and I, maybe it'll just be a temporary thing, but Scott's been absolutely incredible. You mentioned all of Puck's numbers. Scott, meanwhile, 1.47 ERA since May 14th. That's across 30 and two-thirds innings, and he's striking out 41% of batters. Th- that's elite, and that's been for a long time. So I, he's clearly been one of the best relievers in baseball for at least two months, which is... I think mostly on the back of him not walking anybody. He's got a 7.4% walk rate during that time. And this is a guy that was well over 10% for the most of his career. Uh, Entering this season, his walk rate was 14.2%. And so he's cut that nearly in half over the past two months plus. And I think that's a pretty good indication of why he's been so good recently. And I think it's just all up to Skip Schumacher now. Yeah, I, I think if you you guys said it perfectly. If Tanner Scott's still available, you get him up there. I think Puck is still viable. You still want to hold him because it may not be the immediate switch, but Scott seems to be a better reliever, and if he's out there in a lot of leagues, I'm definitely putting a, a potential bid, but I guess the same caveat goes into what we said about Ginkle. You got six days or so until the trade deadline. Maybe someone else comes in. Maybe Jorge Lopez takes the job. Maybe they add another reliever because the Marlins do that during the trade deadline. So just monitor that situation closely as we go forward. Jake, over to you. Who's another follower from the past week you want to bring up? I've got Scott Barlow, and I'm pretty surprised that he's not in the bottom five on Rick's rankings because he's not been great all year, and the Royals are one of the worst teams in baseball. They're barely better than the A's. He's got a ERA over five right now, 5.15. And the way that he's been performing and with still one more year of control left, you have to start considering the question of 
why would the Royals trade him right now with his value at an all-time low, which sort of sad for the Carlos Hernandez lovers like uh, us. But yeah, I, I think Barlow might not be on the move, which maybe maybe he is. Maybe somebody sees uh, a change that he can make. And he's one of the few guys that has closing experience that's on the trade market right now. But the way he's been performing recently, I don't think he's going to lose his closer role. But it is begging the question will the Royals still trade him? I mean, I mean, Barlow was having a really good season up until like early June. And then the wheels have just fallen off since June 10th. He has a 7.9 ERA over his last 13.2 innings with a 2.12 whip and a get this 2.2.8% K to walk rate. Um, This is not what you're looking for from a closer. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure the Royals wish they would have moved him sooner maybe like you know early june but now you know he's talking about carlos hernandez i I wonder even if barlow stays hernandez might just over just take that role from him the way barlow's been pitching lately it's yeah because they don't have to keep him in the role to like keep up his trade value not yeah so i mean i'm still like the idea of stashing hernandez and where you know if if you have the roster spot open so yeah, Barlow, uh, it's going to be w- weird to see what they do with him and if they do trade him, what type of return they get. Because, yeah, b- early June, it looked like he was going to get them a nice, you know, really nice return of prospects. Yeah, uh, that was, he's he's been really struggling. I have him in the staff league, and, uh, well, that has not been exactly the most pretty situation right now. I like the idea of statching Carlos Hernandez, but it's the same thing. It's, it's Kansas City saves, and whether... Barlow stays or goes, how many saves are actually going to be available for Kansas City going mm-hmm. forward? But it, saves are valuable. So Hernandez, we like him a lot, but yeah, boy, that situation's not looking good in Kansas City. Has gotten very ugly. And the last guy that we want to uh, mention as a faller, it's only been down a spot, but it's worth mentioning Carlos Estevez. We have it. You know, we've heard some talks about whether he'd be dealt the trade deadline now that. Otani's staying and they've acquired some pieces with Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. It's unlikely they'll move Carlos Estevez, but there's more competition now in there. So is it possible he loses the closer's job? I think it's it's an option. I, I think right now he's still the favorite. He's been pitching better than Ronaldo Lopez this season and hasn't he said he hasn't done anything uh, of late to make that an option for due to his performance, but the fact that there are now multiple options that the Phil Nevin can go to in the back end of the bullpen. It's just something to keep an eye on. So nothing really actionable with that, but it's just another note to uh, remember that there's now more arms and the angels may not be done. Yeah. I think that's part of it that the angels may not be done. Um, you know, Estevez is coming off a bit of a, a tough outing as well. And I, I, and if they're really you know, going all in for Otani, yeah, it's a, are they going to make another move for a reliever? And B, if they don't really have, they can't really mess around here. If, if, you know, if they feel like they need to make a switch in the closer rule, they have to make, you know, they have to be pretty quick with that. So if Estevez has just like one or or two back to back, you know, brutal outings, then that might be, that might be enough for them to be like, Hey, all right, Matt Moore is going to, you know, step in and help close things out in the ninth for the time being. So I, I think it's just, it's going to be a situation to, to follow and he's going to have to really, you know, 
have a good August where, you know, the underlying metrics have been really rough on him this year. So let's see if he can keep that ERA under two. He is an all-star. And he's in the minors. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, we'll see what happens there, but on to some more exciting trade deadline coverage. We have 10 questions that will cover some mainly teams. We have not fully talked about there. What are they going to do? Who are they going to add? All of that good stuff. So we'll start looking at it, kind of trying to figure out some sort of answers. The first one is about the Seattle Mariners. We didn't talk about them too much as an option last last week, so we wanted to bring it up there. Seattle's currently behind four teams for the last sale wildcard behind Toronto, Boston, New York, and LA. We know the Angels are already making moves. They're already adding. The Yankees we expect to probably add as well, and likely Toronto, and in some capacity, Boston. Will Paul Seawald be a Mariner week from now? There's been some rumors that people have already called Seattle talking about them. So do we see Seawald staying? If he goes, who's the next man up? Let's break down Seattle's bullpen as we sit uh, a few days before deadline. I I think that could be the sneaky... I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I feel like Seawald could be the sneaky closer that is on the move because... You know the rental, the prices right now. What we've seen from the uh, Reynaldo Lopez Giolito trade and from the Pierce Johnson trade, I feel like prices are high. It's a good seller's market. The Mariners aren't. I don't. They've been pretty quiet and they haven't really tipped their their hat at what they're going to do. But they're not. You know, it's going to be really hard to leapfrog four teams and get into the playoffs, even though they're only four and a half games back. I, I think. The play for them, they have a pretty young core. I think the play is to, you know, build towards 25, 24, 25, 26, you know, that window. I know Seawald still has an, a, another year left before he hits free agency, but I, I think you could, you know, trading him now, you would get a really good return and, um, you know, potentially use whatever that return is to, you know, add to the team next year or in the offseason if you need to. So I, I, I think it makes sense for them to move him. Um, and probably other pieces too, like to Oscar Hernandez and, you know, other free agents to be. So I, it would be interesting. I mean, Andres Munoz probably not available in a lot of leagues, but he might be, a, if he is still out there, maybe a speculative ad this weekend just to see how things play out, you know, up until the deadline. Definitely. I, you made some good points. I think it is smart for them to sell right now. It's going to be a difficult climb. Four and a half games is not a lot, but with how tight the wildcard race is in the American League and how many teams are in that race, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to come out of that on top. And the Mariners do have, like you said, Andres Munoz to turn back to if Seawall does get traded. I really think this is going to be like a down to the last minute type decision i mean trader jerry loves to uh send out trade offers and and trade guys all the time so i'm sure he's he's looking for the best deals right now but this may be a situation where we just have to wait until the last minute the the next three or four days are really going to decide how the mariners go about that tuesday trade deadline day will they be sellers or will they be buyers and i it really depends on if they win this weekend or not Mm. Completely agree. So you said if Munoz is out there in your league, go get him as a speculative ad. Obviously, he's good enough to be someone you use without being the main closer, but it's something to monitor going forward. We talked about the Diamondbacks a little bit in the show of Kevin Ginkle, but right now they've been struggling lately. They're still in the as a playoff spot as we sit recording this on Thursday night, but 
There's a lot of teams in the NL competing for those spots, so that's going to be a real fun race. There's been some rumblings that they may not be as aggressive buyers as we were all kind of expecting them to be. So as we sit here today, who is the Arizona Diamondbacks closer when we are recording a week from now after the trade deadline? I, you know, last week I was dead set on them adding like a closer or someone, even if it's like Scott Barlow. I know he's been so bad, but I just could see that being like a someone they trade for and they move like right into the closer role just because of his experience. Um, but now I, I wonder, in, unless it's, yeah, I, I really wonder if they're going to make a big, you know, trade to add to their close to their their bullpen if they add anyone significant of a significance it probably would be a, a starter and maybe they just add you know some like a joe kelly or some middle tier reliever you know rental just to kind of shore things up and at least give them another option so i, I think ginkle's still going to be the closer um especially i know they've been playing they've been having you know some really you know they've been playing really bad, and in, in, in July so far, it's been a really tough go for them. So they uh, they might just kind of take things easy leading up to the deadline. They sort of seem like a team that should be like big buyers at the deadline, considering where they are in their competitive window and just the amount of space so, between them and the teams below them. I like the idea, of, uh, and I mean. I don't know. They probably do. They definitely have the assets to pull off. Like if, if, if Bednar is really available, I think that maybe could be, you know, someone with a little bit, you know, he's under contract for a few more mm-hmm. years who fits into their window. It's not just a rental. I feel like that. And that, that, you know, shores up their closer need for the next three years. So something like that makes sense. But I don't know about going like, you know, giving up prospects for a rental it really makes sense for them right now. Yeah, that, that's why I think they're going to go for somebody that's like sh- shorter term because I don't, I don't think they'll have to give up that much. I, I For some reason, I'm just going to go with my gut feel. I think Jordan Hicks is going to end up on the Diamondbacks and I think he's going to be the team's closer, but that's really going to be dependent on how much the Cardinals are asking and if they do mm-hmm. actually follow through with extending him because that seems to be the only thing holding them back because he is about to be a free agent because that seems like a guy that they could extend as well to this offseason if they want to. True. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's far from guaranteed, but I really think this team should be buying where they are in the playoff standings. They're half a game back from the NL wild card, and the teams that they're vying against are the the Marlins, the Reds, the Phillies, and the Giants. And all of those teams are separated by like one game, so it's all really tight there. So I think any additions of of WAR, any wins you can add to the team, are going to be super impactful. And so getting a closer that you can really trust, especially with the way the bullpen has been falling apart. Maybe like a three weeks ago, I wouldn't have been like, Oh, this is going to be an area where they really need to add. Maybe they go for some depth pieces. But now at this point with the way that the top three guys there have been struggling and now they're relying on Kevin Ginkle. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be a, a sore spot where they're like, okay, we need to upgrade this because we don't want to have a weak bullpen going into really important games in September. Yeah, they're really interesting team. If I was them, I would probably do the do the big splash. I don't know if I would go for David Bed. I mean, David Bednar look great. It would be an awesome move for them. But how much they have a lot of depth, obviously, especially in the, their outfielder, you know, Alec Thomas, uh, Dominic Fletcher, Jake McCarthy, a lot of good young outfielders you can move. Obviously, if not Corbin Carroll, but that's position of strength where they can make a move for some team for back end bullpen help. So. I do ultimately think they will add somebody. 
if I had to predict Jordan Hicks to sound good, I could see them being a team that goes and gets, say, a David Robertson if the Mets do decide to sell. So I, I do think they're going to add somebody in the bullpen. And a week from now, it won't be Kevin Ginkle. Somebody will be closing games out for them, whether it is the big name or not. We talked about the Cubs also at the beginning of the show, and they're currently sitting four games out. And as we're recording it, rolling all over the Cardinals 9-1 to after Ian Happ uh, got thrown at. But at this point, <laughs> they're four games out. <laughs> Everyone's almost like a certain certainty that they were going to be sellers. They're in the same boat as the Angels, where they have actually a higher percentage chance, according to Fangraphs, is mm-hmm. going into this of making the playoffs. So can they switch ships and all of a sudden be adders deadline. If so, does that make any sort of concern about Adber Azale? I, I know this is a tough question. I wanted to just like mention that uh, how well the Cubs have been playing lately. And um, I think Azale is safe. I think I don't see them as buying, but they may not sell and that might be, they might just kind of ride things out. I don't, I don't know. It's tough to get a read on, on them, you know, outside of all the rumors about Stroman and Bellinger. So, I, I still think Alzelay's safe, uh, but they might hold on to you know Fulmer and the rest of that bullpen might stay. So that that could, you know, give a little bit more uh, competition for Alzelay moving forward. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's not just you know the wild card race, but also the NL Central could be up for grabs. You know, I, I don't, I like the Brewers, but I don't know, you know. I, not totally confident in them just running away with that division. So um, Cubs could end up being players here. Callan mentioned the angels and that was the exact team I was going to compare them to where they didn't really seem like they were going to be contenders coming into July. And now they've gone on a winning streak at what some may consider the exact right moment, but what I would consider would be the exact wrong moment. Yeah. (laughs) Cause that sort of takes away from, the future of your team where it's like, okay, you got these guys on expiring deals, Bellinger, possibly Stroman that you could get pretty big returns on. Mm -hmm. And that now you're going to go on your 5% shot to make the playoffs because you'd won five games at a random point in the year that just happens to be right before the deadline. I think in terms of bullpen, since we are a bullpen show, I think they probably won't make any big splashes in terms of back end guys, but they could go for some depth ads, especially with Brad Boxberger and Brandon Hughes and uh, Cody Hoyer both Hoyer and Hughes are out for the year and Boxberger's on the 60-day IL and those guys were sort of depth pieces or like middle to back end guys that were sort of counted on for the whole year. Hoyer didn't pitch at all, but he was expected to, expected to come back and be a, a key member of that bullpen. And now they're sort of relying on some guys that aren't really household names. And so I think they could definitely make some additions to help out the depth of that bullpen. Yeah, I think ultimately Alzelay's job is safe as a Yankee fan. I'm hoping they get onto a cold streak coming up because I really want Cody Bellinger to be a Yankee in a week, but I'm not sure if Cashman's going to make that move happen. I'm just living on a dream right here. But yeah, bullpen-wise, I think Alzelay is, is safe, but you know the Cubs are another team that's just, you know, what do they do? It's a big question mark, but it'll be fun to see. We talk a lot about David Bednar as a possible move, of course, with how good he is. He's been getting a lot of interest, as Colin Holderman has also been getting some interest, how good he's been. So do we see either of them getting moved by the deadline? And if so, is Dari Moretta the next guy up? Do we want to stash him at this point? Or, you know, is it still too unlikely to do that? 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised. And then right before the show, there was another report of Holderman potentially being being moved. So I, I think there's multiple writers, uh, reporters who have mentioned Holderman. And that is interesting, but also not surprising, given it's kind of like reminiscent of when they traded Clay Holmes a few years ago. And I, I think in their mind, they're tr- they're selling high on a, you know, a reliever. But um yeah, it, it would still surprise me. I think I do. I do think one of them has a chance to move, uh, especially like you know, I mentioned earlier. It's you know it's definitely a seller's market. So if they can get a good return for someone like Holderman, I, I think it would make sense. Uh, Bednar is probably going to require a little bit more, but you know the more I think about it, when we just talked about Arizona, there there really could be a match there. I feel like it, the Pirates would be interested in you know, a left-handed uh, outfielder maybe. So I, I think, you know, between Arizona's got a million of them. So I, I think there might be something there that could work out. Um, but yeah, I, I think one of them moves. I think Moretta, if you're in a 16-teamer, I, I don't hate the idea of stashing him right now or over the weekend for it's not going to cost you anything. Uh, just in case both get moved, which again, that's probably a 1% chance, but um I, I think all three, you know, Holderman maybe if if it's just Bednar gets moved, Holderman might be worth a, a stash as well, just to you know, just in case you know something happens there. Because I know the Pirates aren't playing well, but there's still there's still saves to be had there. So um, again, deeper leagues worth a stash, but for now, just uh, wait wait it out till the deadline. Yeah, I don't think both Holderman and Bednar are going to get traded. I think if either of them do it's going to be one or the other i i don't think the pirates would really sort of shoot themselves in the foot like that for the next couple of years but if i were to decide between the two who's more likely to get traded is probably holderman just because bednar's asking price is likely to be too high for what other teams are willing to stomach and while holderman probably is not i'm going to retract what i said probably he is definitely not as good as bednar Mm. um but i i think that some teams would be willing to be like, okay, we get a slight discount for a guy that's very solid and may have a, a higher ceiling or or that, that he may be able to attain outside of Pittsburgh and they go and get him. But I, I don't know if Dory Moretta would be a guy that I would be targeting since the beginning of June. He's got an ERA of 5.75. So that early hot start uh, and those pitching ninja reverse slider gifts are, I think, giving people a false impression of how good of a pitcher he's been for the majority of the season. But yeah, I think Holderman's definitely a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I know he's been dropped in some leagues, not really in most holds leagues, but in in points leagues and, and save only leagues. That'll be a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on because I could definitely, if that's, that's the type of guy who, if he does go to Arizona, yeah, he could yeah. be giving Ginkle a run for his money for sure. Yeah, we'll take one final break as we uh, we get back. We'll wrap up this uh, trade deadline, talk a few more exciting relievers, including a name we've mentioned enough in this show, but Jordan Hicks and what we expect to happen to him. But all that more on In the Pen. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow 
and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we talked a lot about Jordan Hicks and what you know may happen to him, whether it's an extension, whether he gets dealt. Who knows? But we're going to try and predict that right now. So as we sit here recording this, does Jordan Hicks get dealt on uh, before Tuesday or by Tuesday at the trade deadline? If so, we mentioned Dimebacks, whatever. Do you think he gets dealt? If so, who's the next man up to Gallegos? What's your read for the Cardinals? Yeah, it sounds like it's trending towards him getting traded and not signing an extension. There was just a report uh, a couple hours ago that the they have not made the Cardinals and Hicks have not made any progress on an extension. So definitely leaning towards him getting traded, and um, I think that's probably the right move for the Cardinals. I don't know a lot of in, there's a lot of injury. He's always young, but the injury history and you know, this is really his first big, you know, breakout season as far as being able to, you know, miss bats. So I, I, I don't, I would be weary about, weary about extending him right now if I were the Cardinals. You know, deal him, get get what you can. It should be a pretty good return. Um, I think Gallego stays and he ends up being the closer because I, yeah, Ryan Helsley, don't know. He could, he could also be traded. He might not pitch again this year. Who really knows? So. I'm uh I think Gallegos is another name to keep an eye on potentially stashed this weekend. Um, he's been pitching better lately. I know he had a little bit of a rocky uh month of I think it was June May. Um, but he's been better lately. He's typically a guy you can trust and count on. And uh, I think between some of the other names we've mentioned, I think I would rather have him over pretty much any other stash candidate outside of maybe Carlos Hernandez. But then again, Hernandez is not going to get a ton of save chances in, in Kansas mm-hmm. city. Yeah. I, I think the Cardinals would be smart to trade Hicks right now. I think this is probably the highest his trade value has been. I would, I don't want to say for the entirety of his career, because I I'm thinking like when he was like 21 and he was just coming yeah. up throwing a hundred miles per hour, I think teams would have given up a lot for him. But at this point where it stands now, I think you could probably get a lot for him. We've talked a lot about how this is a seller's market. We saw how much the white Sox got for uh Giolito and, and Lopez. I, I think the Cardinals could get a lot for Hicks and maybe if they throw in somebody else, there, an outfielder or somewhat, then they can get a young starter that maybe they could, throw into their rotation for a, a playoff run next year, but I think they could really get a lot for Hicks. Gallegos would clearly be the first guy to take over there. Um, and I think Hicks is going to the Diamondbacks, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I think he's dealt as well. I'm not going to put a bet on as to where he goes, but I think by August 1st, Jordan Hicks will be closing out games for a team that is not the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll see Giovanni Gallegos finishing games out there. I'll move over to Miami, another name we mentioned with the uh, emergence of Tanner Scott, the struggles of AJ Puck via trade for Jorge Lopez. We talked a lot about them. So as we sit here today, who is their closer come August 1st? I will say Tanner Scott. Um, I think my concern, I think they do add a reliever, a right-handed reliever because they have to, but 
there's also, I mean, if they're going to really, they're kind of in the Diamondbacks boat where they may be like a, a little bit ahead of schedule and they have been struggling, you know, lately. Um, partially bullpen's fault, but they, they do need to add other piece. They need to add, you know, a, a couple bats or, or, you know, some sort of offense to, to that lineup to be, the, the offense needs to be more consistent. So I think they will add a reliever. I don't think they're going to add a, big enough name to kick out either puck or scott so i'm gonna go with scott is the closer entering next week but i don't think puck's totally out of it for the rest of the season i'm gonna agree that scott's probably gonna be the closer by the next time we record and that puck won't be completely out of it but i'm not gonna agree with the fact that i think the marlins are gonna be adding anybody substantial to the bullpen. I know you didn't specifically say that and that you said they, they'll just add a right-handed reliever, mm. but I think they're going to clearly prioritize offense there because that's been for a, a while now. That's that's where they're they're slacking. So get, get a couple bats and then maybe at that point they can add some depth to that bullpen, but I really don't think they're going to be too worried about adding pitchers to a team that sorely needs some big bats. Yeah, I think Scott's... We'll sweep that. Scott's the closer. I could see him adding an arm, but... Obviously, offense should be the priority, but every team wants to add their pen. If they get an offer, if they can't refuse, they probably would do it. But obviously, offense will be the closer. Puck will still be around. Puck will still get his saves, but Scott will be the, getting the majority, at least as we sit, going into next week. I mentioned David Robertson as a potential trade candidate, and he's kind of in that clump. We throw Josh Hader as well as two teams, the Mets and the Padres, who they're another one of who the heck knows what they're going to do. The Mets just split the two-game set. The Yankees, the Padres... Took another series loss in there. I believe says we recorded this thing sitting here seven games out of a playoff spot. So if you're in the Padres and Mets shoes, do they should they trade their closers? And do we expect a a block, more of a blockbuster? I guess a bigger name of David Robertson or Josh Hader being dealt. They should, uh, and it's really you know I understand that they spent a lot of money to get to to, to the you know what the rosters look like now and they wanted to compete but like let's let's face it they, neither one of those teams is making the playoffs um barring some sort of miracle so i you know robertson's what 39 years old on a one year deal having a really good season i i don't see you know i think you have to move him and same with hater you know I, unless you're going to planning on extending hater which i don't necessarily think I would do or they should do, but it is the Padres who have been willing to spend money, so maybe they will. Uh, if you're not going to extend them, then I think you have to move them now because what's the point of holding on to him for two more months when you're not going to make the playoffs, when he would be the biggest closer available and could get a pretty good return? I mean, I remember it didn't really work out, but um, was it Francisco Mejia for Brad Hand back, you know, that trade where, you know, Mejia at the time was like a, a top 10 15 prospect mm-hmm. and uh you know that getting someone like that i feel like they could probably get a top 20 or so prospect for hater um if they wanted to yeah definitely i think uh if any team in baseball in the last few years is going to be able to make that climb back from six and a half seven and a half games out of the wild card it's going to be this stack Padres team or that really expensive Mets team but I think the smart decision is to trade these expiring contracts especially for David Robertson like you said he's 39 there's not really much point in keeping him around you got other options in that bullpen as well with Adam Adovino there but 
Yeah, I, I think everything you said was right on point. Hater could really get you a huge return right now, and he's been absolutely incredible this year. Sub one ERA, thirty eight percent strikeout rate. The probably the second best closer behind Felix Bautista. Bautista's been bonkers this year. I think he might win the Cy Young, but that's a conversation for mm-hmm. later in the season. <laughs> so uh, foreshadowing, but yeah, I, I think Hater is. Probably should be on the market, but maybe the Padres, I, I know all the reports are coming out like the Padres aren't willing to listen on on Snell and Hater, and th- maybe their asking price on Soto is like astronomically high, but maybe they're sort of just trying to play their cards in a way that teams get the idea of, oh, I'm really going to have to pony up. So if I like want to convince them to be like, okay, yeah, this is enough for us to sort of I don't want to say give up on the season, but sort of trade hater and and really not go all in on on this second half comeback. Then it, it sort of just bumps up that asking price, and maybe they get more out of the hater deal. They should move them. I mean, you mentioned the Halls think Arals Chapman trade, Yankees trade Chapman, and they get a prospect like Labor yeah. Torres back, who's a top whatever prospect. You said Francisco Mejia. A lot of teams do. Obviously, teams value their prospects more, so you wonder exactly what you can get for Josh Hader. But this is an elite closer, top three in baseball top two, five whatever you want to say in baseball right now and he can make a huge difference for any team i mean we talk about the diamondbacks i want to give up a lot for rental how awesome the diamondbacks look if they had a josh hater closing out games for them or some of the you know high-end teams in baseball that would just make a huge difference so padres should be listening i don't expect him to be dealt i'll say yes david robertson will be dealt though they're seven and a half games out and they maybe have david uh edwin diaz coming back in september so maybe they just decide, you know what, we can get something from Robertson. So Robertson's more likely than Hater, but wouldn't shock me if either is moved. We know the Reds aren't moving their closer for Alexis Diaz of how good they've been doing, but they definitely need some bullpen help behind him. Do we see them adding a potential hold candidate? No one's going to replace Alexis Diaz, but who are some names to monitor for Cincinnati Reds if they uh, want to try and uh, add some help to get the ball to Diaz? Yeah, I think they're... They should be probably in the market for... I mean, they, they could use a lot of bullpen help. I know Lucas Sims has been pitching well, um, but they could probably use another righty and definitely a lefty in that bullpen, I think, to kind of short things up for them. But it, it's another team that you, you start... You thought, you know, we thought that they were going to be all... Not all in, but they were going to definitely be buyers. And now you kind of hear some rumblings that they're maybe not going to be super you know, aggressive at the deadline. So probably looking at smaller names, um, potentially, you know, I, I think there's a fit with the White Sox have a ton of relievers available. Um, not really, no, not really sure as far as lefties that are available that comes to come to mind. But even if it's like a chasing, a chasing Shreve, something like that, I still think it's a huge upgrade to some of the guys they have at the back end of their bullpen right now. I, I got a couple lefties for you because I know they only have one lefty in their bullpen right now. I think uh, one that's less likely is Sam Mole on the A's. I know he's mm. been drawing some trade interest. He's not super interesting, but he's not like terrible. He strikes out a pretty decent amount of guys, 27%. And uh, he's been all right this year, but he is a lefty. He's 31 years old. He does have a lot of control left three more years, but I don't think it's going to take a lot to get him. The guy that I think is the most likely to end up on the Reds is Brent Suter. Uh, he's been uh, very solid for the Rockies, surprisingly. 2.51 ERA for them. I, I think if uh, the listeners are familiar with Suter at all, he's 
a pitch to contact guy. He's a, he's a, got a funky delivery and he sort of get, gets away with uh, a lot because of, yeah. because of that. But that, that seems like the type of guy the Reds go for. He's going to be a free agent after this year. They really won't have to give up much of anything. I'm sure the Rockies won't be asking for anybody. The Reds are <laughs> super uh, concerned about giving up anyway. And uh, I think that would add the, sort of guy that they would need to that bullpen where not only do they only have one lefty there, but I feel like they don't have a lot of like funky guys. Mm, true. What about Aaron Bunner? A bummer. I'll throw him out as a potential lefty piece. It's another one. You probably have to give a little more because his contract, he's not, he doesn't have a contract expires after the season, but you know, it's not, it, we've seen him getting a lot of interest as well. So I'll throw him out as a potential lefty to go since they're like anywhere. But yeah. so just another name to monitor, but Reds get some help and get the ball to Diaz. So monitor those names for holds leagues. But Dodgers, we talked about over at least the last month of they're going to add a reliever. They're going to add a reliever. Well, as we sit here today, they haven't added that reliever. So what's our expectation there? Do we, do we get a big splash such as a David Bednar, Scott Barlow, something like that? Or do you just go for a small piece, you know, add more names to get the ball to Phillips or uh, Grad or whoever is on the back end, like a Joe Kelly, who they've been rumored mm. to have some interest in? Yeah, maybe it's the the trade deadline of the reunions for the Dodgers. They just brought back, you know, Enrique Hernandez. So maybe it's Joe Kelly's turn to, to go back to L.A. And I, I think that kind of actually makes some sense. I think they're I think they're OK. I think they're happy with you know, Evan Phillips and. Gratterall's been pitching really, really well lately. Uh, Caleb Ferguson's been steady. I, I think they probably are going to just make a, you know, a minor move or two. That seems to be what the Dodgers have been doing lately. That's kind of their mo. And they, they'll, they'll add someone like Joe Kelly, and then he'll turn into like an all-star, you know, esque reliever for the next two months. So I don't see them making a big splash necessarily. It does sound too like they're they're not really looking to do anything big they're obviously you don't want to add too much salary with you know them going after otani this offseason so uh i think you know some a smaller move probably makes the most sense for them joe kelly definitely fits with what they've done thus far like you said kike hernandez also ahmed rosario to uh, guys that i wouldn't say we're drawing a ton of trade interest are both rentals right now too so Maybe they stick with that. Like you said, Joe Kelly sort of fits that bill very well. Um, but there are rumblings right now that they're going after Nolan Arenado. And True. one guy that plays with Nolan Arenado is Jordan Hicks. So <laughs> if they do decide to go with the big blockbuster move, I think that's when they'll go get somebody like Jordan Hicks as well. Just toss him in there with Arenado, throw them a, a little better prospect. But I think with the way that they've been going right now and the way that they've sort of traded in the past, I know they've been the team to go get like Machado and Darvish and other big names at the deadline. But maybe this is the year, like you said, they want to take it easy so that they can pursue Shohei, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. at, in the offseason. Maybe they do go with the cheaper route of getting a guy with an expiring contract. And I think that's pretty clearly somebody like Joe Kelly. And finally, we'll talk about another team who has been adding really They already got a role to Chapman. But we talked about last week how they expect to uh, add more, and that's Texas Rangers. So as we sit here today, do we expect them to add some more? If we, we are coming in a week from now, who is the leader for Saves the Rangers? So how do we expect their deadline to play out? Yeah, this is it's you know kind of a twofold. It's what did they do at the deadline? Because they have been aggressive. I would imagine they're going to continue to be aggressive uh, and probably add at least one more reliever. 
Although it does sound like Josh Spores might be back sooner rather than later, but I, they'll probably add another right-handed option. Um, I still think Smith is going to be the closer in a week, but then after, I mean, after that, it's really it's still going to be fluid until I think I, either one of these guys between Smith and Chapman, you know, just kind of lose the job or start to like really struggle or one of them i think if chapman pitches well and takes over the role i think there's no turning back there but as long as smith's in the role i have just something about it i don't know if i'm going to ever feel comfortable with him being the closer the rest of the, the rest of the way i just with you know chapman looming and you know a potential trade here and josh Bores, i think there's a lot of options potentially so um Again, I there's a situation where Smith and Chapman are both probably should both be rostered for now through the weekend, probably through next week, and then you know see what happens. Yeah, it really looked for a second like Chapman was going to take over yeah. that role in Texas, but that I guess that didn't come to fruition. <laughs> uh, Will Smith really has not been getting a lot of saves recently. He has just three in the month of July, and while he hasn't pitched poorly, they're just haven't had the same the Rangers, number of save opportunities. Yeah, they've fallen off. Yeah, or they're scoring like 10 runs a game. It's, that's yeah, it's, right. It's like, that's yeah. the only way they win games. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It's really hard to speculate there since we don't really have anything to go off of. Chapman's clearly been the better pitcher this year, at least in terms of strikeout rate. It's like 15%, 16% higher than Will Smith's. Um, he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball this year. And while I'm not rooting for Chapman, it really does seem like he should be the guy closing out games. But, I mean... It, it, this is the the modern question where it's like, do you want the best guy as the closer? Or do you want him as the high leverage reliever? And that question is mm-hmm. sort of overused nowadays. I mean, we sort of have to mention it every podcast because that's how everything is is taken into context nowadays. But that'll be definitely something to consider. I don't think there's really anybody that's going to be able to make actual moves on that in terms of fantasy. Like, I don't think Chapman's available in too many places, even in saves only leagues. He's striking out so many batters and pitching so well and, and getting those one-off saves that I think he's probably owned in the majority of deeper leagues. Maybe he's available in some 12-team leagues, but I, I think there are definitely people speculating right now that he may take over that closer role. He's not going to be available many places, and Will Smith is definitely not available any places. I, I think the Rangers probably won't be doing anything crazy with the back end of their bullpen, but you know, maybe some some depth pieces there because outside of like the top four guys there, it starts to get really thin, really fast. Yeah. Rosser and both. I think if I was a, trying to predict, I'll say Chapman takes the job and gets more saves than Will Smith, but it's going to be one, maybe two more. They're both going to be used in high leverage and close save situations. They'll add a righty to complement them, but I think that'll be more of a high leverage. I didn't get the ball to one of the lefties, but so they'll add somebody. I don't think they're done, but no one to compete with Smith and Chapman. So if you have them, Keep them both, roster them both still. I don't think either of them are in any danger of losing their jobs, but they may add to the bullpen who mad someone for uh, holds leagues. But if you have any other bold predictions for the trade deadline, feel free to hit us up in the Discord. We'll be reacting instantly to every single trade in our Discord on Twitter, all of that. And of course, next week on the show, we'll hopefully have some more exciting moves to talk about and the fantasy implication. But... All that and more we'll be talking about next week. But before we wrap up, let's wrap up. Let's go with another uh, Who's That Closer. All right. You guys ready? 
Yes, let's do it. Ready's all over. Right. <laughs> this closer played from 2010 to 2017. Oh, f- first caveat. You guys have gotten like every single one thus far, so I went a little harder. Yeah, this was um, tough. I don't yeah. know it. <laughs> yep. This guy played it's- from 2010 to 2017. He was a right-handed pitcher. He was drafted by the Yankees in the 34th round of the 2007 draft out of a high school in Indiana, but he didn't sign. So I'll cross that off the list. Drafted by the Nationals in the first round, 10th overall of the 2009 draft out of Stanford. And he debuted with the Nationals the following year in May of 2010. And, be- and he became the full-time closer super quickly by 2011. And that's when he had the best season of his career, his second year in the big leagues. That year, he tossed 75 in the third innings, struck out 74 batters. And that came with a 2.75 ERA, a 1.02 whip, and 43 saves, which somehow didn't lead the National League. He had a 2.37 ERA the following year. He dealt with injuries that year, fell off a little in 2013, but came back with a 1.12 ERA in 2014. So he had some great years with the Nationals. And 2015 was his last year in Washington. And that was the only other year in his career in which he has saved at least 15 games. That year, he saved 29 ball games. After that season, after 2015, prior to 2016, this closer signed with the Blue Jays. And at the deadline was traded to the Mariners. And then he wrapped up his career in 2017 with the Reds. That was his age 29 season. He did not appear in the majors after he turned 30. This guy has no accolades throughout his career. He has no black ink on his baseball reference page. And his nickname was homage, which, uh, I know on one of my personal podcast episodes, this guy closed out one of our podcasts and my co-host looked up why his name nickname was homage and I have completely forgotten, but uh, <laughs> that is a, a fun research project because I know it made sense uh, when it happened. But this closer wrapped up his career with 4.8 baseball reference war, a 3.45 ERA, 1.20 whip and 99 saves. Guys, who is that closer? We couldn't have gotten him one more save. I mean, yeah, really? Uh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> tough. Um, I feel like I should know this, but I, I mean, first round, tenth, tenth overall pick, and then debuted the next year and was a elite yeah, closer. Yeah, basically that twenty eleven season. Uh, um, I feel like once Alan? I hear, I feel like once I hear her name, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm like, sure. oh right, but right now I'm kind of drawing a blank. Ten for ten for thirty fourth round. I'm not gonna know any of that. I'm not gonna. I can't say I'm well versed <laughs> in two thousand seven thirty uh, fourth round picks with the Yankees. Yeah. But, <laughs> um. Well, trying to I'll, I guess I'll give it to you guys. Uh, finally stumped you. This closer is Drew Storin. Oh, oh, all right. All right. Yeah, he was he was pretty legendary back in the early yes, 2010s. That's when one. I was uh, playing a lot of MLB The Show. So I definitely remember him on uh, the Joe Maurer MLB The Show days. Ooh, yeah, it's good. It's good throwback. Yeah, I remember him being on each of those teams. I just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a name I haven't thought of in the. Uh, quite some time well so there you go a, that was a good one that was a really good thank one. you yeah good, so, that was so. a good one yeah yeah so as drew storen closes out this show you can find us on twitter at in the pen pod you can find me at Callan underscore elslager jake rick as always plug your twitters plug any additional work you're going on and uh we'll wrap this up uh yeah you can find me uh on twitter at i am rick ram um and you know, just looking forward to the trade deadline, and I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of no- no- notes to uh, cover next week during um, you know writing all my list articles. Yeah, we're gonna have three straight episodes of just trade deadline coverage, which yeah. I'm really excited about. I-, I love trades; that's like one of my Same. favorite things in 
all, all of sports, but you can follow me at Jake Crumpler. Uh, you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. I do the weekend editions of the first pitch podcast. I also write a reliever ranks every week and I have a personal, personal podcast called free baseball, which you can find on my website. Once again, crumplerbaseball.com. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to having some more immaculate grid answers come out with uh, some hope- trades. Storin. Hopefully we get some, uh, yeah, Drew Storm's going to be what I'm thinking of, but hopefully we get some exciting trades unlike, uh, well, Carl Santana is exciting, but he's already been on the Brewers, so that doesn't help me at all in my immaculate grid uh, work. But, you know, before we wrap up, I know we get this sort of, but real quick, no reasoning. One bold prediction. We don't, we can do non relievers for this one. One bold move that's going to happen for the deadline. Put you on the spot here. I'll, I'll go relievers. Uh, I'll go with a bold one. Just thinking about what we left <laughs> of off course. on. I, 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 I want to <laughs> say Lee, Liam Hendricks to the Rangers. Uh, something like that. Ooh, uh, I like that a lot. Like ooh, um, ooh. Uh, I don't know. I can't even think of anything right now. Callan, you really stumped me. Drew Storen to the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll. I'm not gonna give a team, but I'm, I'll say. Juan Soto will get dealt. The Padres are gonna something with how things have been going with Soto. I see him being dealt by the deadline. I I'm not, I don't know who, and I'm not gonna make a prediction for who, but I think uh, Juan Soto. Please, but I I don't see it happening. Cash. They don't make the they make the splashes, but they're not gonna make that big of a splash. Unfortunately, that would be great. But I'll say Juan Soto is dealt by Tuesday. All right, I'll say I'll say Chris Bryant to the Dodgers. Ooh. Chris Bryant, huh? Yeah, I mean the the Rockies, they'll they'll surprise you. That's true. They always do that. So let's hope one of those us can get those right. But as always, like I said, find us on in the Discord. We'll be reacting instantly to all those trades. And like I said, we'll cover all of that and more next week on In the Pen. <laughs>